Welcome to the first episode of Purpose to Performance in 2023 and Happy New Year to all our listeners. I hope you had a great festive season and are now getting back to the grindstone with some big goals for 2023. I need to start off with an apology because I'm struggling with a bad throat, so I'm going to sound a little bit more husky than usual. However, the good news is I'm joined by a great guest who's going to do most of the talking. My guest today is an expert in digital marketing, and he's one of the earliest Facebook employees outside the US. Mark Cowan joined Facebook in 2008 and was employee number two in the London HQ. During a rollercoaster 11-year career at Facebook, he was director of advertising sales for EMEA and then went on to run APAC. Since leaving Facebook in 2018, he's become a successful entrepreneur and angel investor. He's currently the CEO of the F45 training franchise, an investor in Bendita Drinks, and One Year No Beer, the platform that helps you transform your relationship with alcohol. Welcome, Mark. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Great to have you on the show. Um, just in terms of explaining our connection, we I met you through Six Point Cycling Challenges, which is a charity cycling group that we uh, we both pot around Mallorca and other places, raising money for some local charities here in Mallorca. But um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I know you through that, but I don't know, and I know a little bit about your background. But I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I don't really know too much about uh, about your history and and uh, or indeed what you're doing today. So I'm I'm really keen to get into it. Um, kick us off. Tell us a little bit about your your background. You know, your sort of early interested experiences that that got your career started gosh well um i mean I've, I've kind of always worked from a very early age um you know I'm, I'm from the midlands very working class background my grandparents are the news agents and so at the age of 12 i was kind of pounding the streets with a with a paper round it wasn't the sunday paper round which was a double double rucksack but <laughs> you know started there then went onto a chip shop and then i worked at tesco's and then i think my first Kind of sales job was working at Stay Bright Windows um, down in a little town called Burson on Trent. And I think maybe um, I've, I've always kind of been a bit of a, a cheeky person, um, but always someone that can, you know, hopefully identify the wants and desires, um, you know, the, the, the demands of what someone was looking for. And so I kind of did quite well from a Stay Bright Windows point of view and always kind of ended up in not just sales, but entrepreneurial um, roles. I went to university. I ended up being an assistant manager at a Subway sandwich bar, but then also started flyering for a club. And before I knew it, I had like three people working for me, flyering all the um, the campuses around Birmingham. And I actually wasn't, I didn't even need to leave my sofa and I was still getting paid. So it's like, <laughs> this is okay. Um, you know, so I, I kind of went through a few different sales roles after I finished university and, you know, from being a holiday rep, which is ultimately hardcore selling, you know, I think some of the hardest, um, the hardest experiences I've had from selling have probably been, have come from a, from being a, a holiday rep. And I'll never forget my boss saying, everybody wants to buy from you. You just haven't told them the right reason why they want to buy, you know? And I think there was that, and there was a training session I had where we did the principles of the seven P's, which was um, 
pre-planning preparation prevents piss poor performance. And literally those two sales tools and tactics have kind of stayed with me all the way through, um, I guess, my career. Um, So I finished repping after three years. I think my body was about to give up. Um, And I then obviously went back to London and joined, um, I guess, the, the sales workforce of London. So out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, and, you know, if I, if I look back then, even though it's, I look like I, I've always had sales in me. I, I love it. I love looking at products and finding how I can align them with what people want and need. But I think also importantly, even though that was part of me, even back then, I found that taking what I can do or what I felt I could do and matching it with a culture that befitted my surroundings was always very important. Um, on the, I'll never forget, on the day, I got offered two jobs at the same time. One was at a publisher called Future Publishing, based out of Bath, but has an office in London. They had magazines like um, Digital Home, T3, excellent gadget magazine, uh, Hi-Fi Choice. And then the, the second one was with a, a mortgage company. And after, I'll never forget, I left the future publishing office and in the lift there was just a poster asking for people to play five-a-side football very down to earth and I was like these are my people and you know so straight away that kind of I I started with them and I was selling you know semi-display ads in the back of a magazine Um, but you know even back then this was 2004 I could see where things were going from a digital point of view. So I started going to my boss saying, hey, can I, can I put a package together for my small advertisers to have a button on our website? And our websites were very archaic back then. But they were paying an extra £500 to have a button on the website to direct you through to, to purchase. Because, you know, with magazines, you deliver your copy four weeks before the magazine goes to print. Then it gets on the shelves, your stocks change. You don't know what's going to happen. And so for me, it was um, a fascinating and a very lucky time to be at the forefront of that kind of digital change. And more than anything, I think, um, you know, just kind of knocking on the door of my bosses, but also the digital teams that were there. I was like this, this young upstart that had come in selling semi-display ads, which is like really the back end of the magazines, the half pages, the quarter pages. And I'm kind of like going to my bosses with the ideas around, you know, what we could be doing for the smaller advertisers in this digital space. And it kind of spawned from there, um, you know, and, and I think that for me was probably the, some of the hardest lessons, but also really the eye opener that, you know, you've just got to go after it. Um, you know, so from a very early age, even in digital advertising, you know, the the mindset of building your own solutions and building solutions to match the, I guess, the requirements and the new requirements of the customers, even if they don't necessarily know that they need them at that moment in time, was one of the biggest lessons um, that I had. Because then you, all, after you do that, you stop selling advertising. You're just selling solutions, you know. And for me, I mean, that's. I then went from there to uh, to Newsint to work on the launch of the LondonPaper.com. I then got uh, uh, approached by Yahoo 
to join a manager there in a role. But as it happened, he then left to go to Facebook. And I got approached by Facebook to join them in like a very junior role. It was a, I say I was a second outside the US, but I was probably the, the most junior person in the office. Um, but it was at a time where, you know, we, we kind of started looking at, I wasn't just selling advertising. You know, you weren't just giving me money for a space. It was actually aligning, well, here's a solution that we can give you to a problem, which for me was a very different approach to um i guess how i'd approach advertising in the past and i think how we'd approached it with a lot of the different mediums before that as well yeah you only need to to meet you interact with you converse with you and you you get that very strong communication and sales piece and everything else but the 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 tech piece i mean were, were you interested in tech were you were like an early adopter of of the digital age or, or was that just coincidence um, I mean, I was definitely an early adopter of Facebook. Um, like I remember when, when I was holiday repping, I was away from, away from my family. So I'm doing obviously um, um, Microsoft MSN Messenger, AOL, um, and their chat rooms. Then I, I got onto the plethora of other platforms. I didn't really even, I was on MySpace, but didn't really touch it. But I was on Facebook and I, I loved the platform and I actually seeked out the person who was and it was an american lady called natalie minor she was she was kind of interning or managing the uk from the us and i kind of tracked her down through advertising agency um contacts i had to try to find out more about the the company are they hiring have you got a product deck let me understand a little bit more could you i could already kind of see where it was going um but it was still a leap of faith. And I think every new technology is. You know, I think when I joined Facebook, uh, Bebo had 13 million users in the UK. Then we had uh, Facebook that was only on 4 million users. Like, you know, it had 40 million users globally, which was uh, you know, really a, a dire number in terms of you know, taking a big leap because there was other platforms out there outperforming them. But... You know, when you look at the the product ethos, um, you know, make the world more open and connected. Um, you know, it was really a, a simple strap line, but it really connected with me. Um, you know, and so even though it was new, that whole mantra, that whole piece of what they were aiming to do really struck with me. And to be honest, it was the team that they put together, there was only six of us. And we would have gone to war for our boss. We were there 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. We weren't on big wages, but you kind of believed in the mission. You believed in Zuck's mission. You believed in the one, three, five, 10 year plan, you know, and you could kind of see where the platform was going even before we actually had the technology solutions that were kind of going to get us there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I again, in, in I, I can very much relate to that because I started my corporate career in in a small family business, a dozen people, and there was a great camaraderie and a great belief in where it was going and what was possible, and that was the excitement, that was the motivation. You say not the wages, not the the bonuses or or, or, or share options or anything like that. It was just the excitement of of the potential and yeah. and what we could achieve as a team. But how that early stage 
how clear was the strategy? Because, in my, and again, I, I profess my ignorance here. My early exposure to Facebook was it was just a, a platform for connecting with people and making friends and everything else. I, I It was only years later, once it had been going for ages, that I realised that there was a whole advertising piece and, 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 and a business case sitting behind it. Um. I mean, well, look, I mean, I think two months after I joined, I think they were about to sign a contract with Microsoft, who were basically going to do all the, the, the sales for us. And so we're almost made redundant. And their early days products were just the skyscrapers and banners that you see on every single day websites. Mm-hmm. So early days, it was more of a, they were still going for that reach and frequency play, you know, but the, the, the platform itself was continually evolving. Um, and if I if I look at it from a job perspective, if you're looking for a job with a very linear career path of like a PNG or a Unilever, you're there for 20 years, every two years you're promoted, Facebook isn't for you. You know, and so every six months my role was changing. So I was on the UK sales team for six months, then the inside sales team, which was dealing with all of the bigger advertisers in the countries we didn't have offices. Then I was managing the Nordics for six months and I was managing the emerging markets. And so I think the fact that my role was changing probably took away from the fact that the platform itself wasn't changing as much from a solution point of view then. But I was just constantly kept busy because, you know, I was managing all of the resellers across um, the Middle East, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So, you know, you want to play every other week, you know, you're meeting some very interesting individuals who are vying for your time and your money and they just want to obviously sell the skyscrapers and the banners um but it wasn't only until a certain point we started introducing groups so sponsored groups i think o2 were one of the first large sponsored group clients we had in the uk then you had pages you had fans and that then unleashed this whole god this myriad of ways where brands can connect but also how they felt and it's often misguidedly how they should be connecting. Or oh, we need more fans, or we need this, you know. And that was then part of our job to kind of guide them as to you know, what should they be focusing on with this technology. Mm. Amazing time. So, I mean, what, what just to, to get a sense of, of of what it was like. I mean, who were you working with? What what sort of other characters were involved in those early days in 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 the London office of Facebook? So we kind of we had the um, head of EMEA, head of UK sales. They had two uh, kind of group sales people ahead of them, uh, below them, sorry, who had moved from both from Yahoo, and then there was kind of three sales people. They had like two uh, adults people who were simply setting up the accounts. And to give you an idea, on our first day, we had to go out and buy the cables to connect the computers to the laptop to the printers so we could print things out, and. When you make a booking back then, you'd obviously print off the I.O. We were faxing bookings over to the U.S. to have them approved and then set up overnight. So it was very much a skeletal staff. Um, You know, I think when I joined, there was two of us. When I left after three and a half years to move down to Australia with Facebook, I think we were up to 90. Now there's probably, probably, I'd say, a minimum 10,000 in the U.K. office. So it was very, very minimal. And... You know, it, it, it was how you would imagine a small startup to be. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine it back then. I, I remember, you know, one of my, my, my kind of famous 
nights at Facebook. We were over in Cannes for the media festival. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg had just been awarded Media Man of the Year. And there was something with Diageo at the time where on a campus at university in the US, if I came up to you with a bottle of Smirnoff ice and I pulled it out of my pocket and gave it to you, you had to get down on one knee and, and chug it. And obviously I got to Cannes, I'm all excited, very young. And I wanted to get my boss and I could only find a 750 mil bottle of Smirnoff ice. And so we all went for dinner and then Zuck turned up, he'd had a, had a, a few drinks. And um, we kind of left and we were started to walk back down to the old town. And me being my normal self after a couple of wines, I decided to get this Smirnoff bottle out, give it to Mark Zuckerberg. And the next thing I know, I'm on the floor with him on one knee, downing a bottle of Smirnoff ice, um, you know, in the old town of Cannes. Now, the, the organization is so big now, it, it just wouldn't happen. But back then, you know, when... The business can see that you're giving blood, sweat and tears and the business is changing so much. And, you know, HR didn't start until nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, all those things that you see in a small startup, it was just, you know, it really was the, the, the one of, if not the best times of my life, where I look back at the, the strength of working in a team where you truly believe in the mission and you know you've got each other's back. Like, let's say, you wouldn't just go into war for your boss. You'd do it for your colleagues every single hour of the day, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. There was, I mean, there's individuals I can, I can name who would just, they'd just be constantly getting stuff done. And we weren't getting paid much, but it was just like the, we're, we're, we're putting this thing on the map in London and we are going places. Mm. And at what point did you, did it become really serious? Did you, did you recognise that this was a real, this was going all the way and you could pitch your uh, <clears throat> yourself onto that wagon and, and and take it to the next um, level well i mean when i started i was uh, I, it wasn't a high wage and i'll never forget my first promotion and my wage kind of went to about 40 percent, and i was like 20 29 at the time you know and i was like yes like from a salary perspective this is it come on um you know, and you, you can easily get blinded by the lights sometimes of being on a plane all the time. And then the days I was missing birthdays, I was missing family dues, I was missing weddings, I was working. Now you can it's, it's like Instagram today, you can paint anything up to be great, but you know, they were the negatives. I think when when the time came that I was asked to move down to Australia and use a lot of my experience of setting up the resellers across Middle East Africa managing all these new markets to growth. I think that for me was when there was a, um, a moment of, oh, there's, there could be really something of longevity in this for me. Um, but at that point, I was still really dealing with um, advertising agencies on individual briefs for clients. It was only then in Australia I moved on to the agency team and the agency team were not specifically remunerated on a specific uh, client. I had to manage the agency. So you're managing them on how they're using all the products, you know, how's their product solutions, but also how can they develop Instagram as a brand for their own agency? And that for me, again, if you go back from, I'm, not, no, I'm no longer selling advertising. I'm packaging up the different products that Facebook has so that you, Mr. Agency, Omnicom or IPG, you can take that internally 
with your own data tools, with your own creative agencies, and you can push something out the other end that you can charge your clients for, or you can take into an advertising pitch and you can win new business on, that it is a clear differentiator to your competitors. Now, that for me is so much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, clearly your career move quickly. How did you develop yourself and develop your skills in order to take on these ever bigger, more challenging, I, I guess, both technically, product-wise, and, and, and just you know, the scale of it you know, to, to, to continue the growth? Um, I'm not going to lie, it was quite hard because even though I only got diagnosed in, well, I think like 2017 in Singapore that I had ADHD, like quite bad ADHD, like my, my colleagues could see quite clearly traits of whether it was my attention span, etc. Um, and so I was constantly having to either do my own courses around attention and you know, how to manage um, aspects of that, even all the way through to diet. And the, the actual training plans that Facebook gives around things like own the room, which is presentation um, tactics and, and, and uh, you know, strategies through to um, unconscious bias. You know, there's, there's a whole heap of different tools they give you. And, you know, it's, one of the one of the things I found actually helped me best in my development was um, a platform that we had called Feed Forward. So Feed Forward is basically feedback, you know. But you take three colleagues and you can choose who they are, and you take them into a room one at a time, and you say, right, you got three minutes. Tell me how I can be a better employee in this team or in, in how we communicate together. So instead of giving me feedback, they give me feed forward because I want to use it for my forward progression of how I can work better internally and externally. Because um, this only started as an exercise to do internally, but I actually happily took it to my clients because at the end of the day, my clients externally, I still pretty much saw as my teammates because I was in those agencies every single day. And, you know, you get at Facebook, they say feedback is a gift. It's uh, some people can take feedback, some people can't. Um, and I think the people that can develop much better than the people that can't, you know. And so I kind of like I've always approached things that I'm I'm far from the finished article. You know, I've got a lot to learn in every single facet of life that I approach. Um, you know, so for me, every day was a, was a, a learning day. Yeah, and I think that's probably that probably got me to where I needed to be, and it got me the respect of the people around me because they saw I worked hard, they saw I took on feedback, and they saw I was always willing to learn on how to be better. Yeah, I love that feed forward concept. I've heard it. I think from Marshall Goldsmith, the coach who I think was involved in some of the coaching, some of the the, the senior execs at Facebook in uh, in the early days. Yeah, so. Did you hit any 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 barriers, any big obstacles in in terms of your career at Facebook? Um, barriers and obstacles at Facebook. I think because I moved around a lot, there was always an incumbent um, person in the specific office that may be expected to take the role before you. 
But then when I moved up to Singapore, I went into a regional role. And, you know, you get to a point where there is a senior position available. It's either a, oh, you've not had the experience of managing those teams of that size. And, or, you know, they, they want to bring in an industry head to have a statement higher. And I, I feel like that was probably one of the biggest barriers because I didn't necessarily, you, there's only limited opportunities you can get to be, to manage, right? You know, so I was coaching people across multiple countries. Um, I was managing people on dotted lines in like nine countries. They might not have been specific direct reports, but, and so there's definitely a limitation on, you know, sometimes areas where you can continue to grow into your next role. Um, you know, and I, I, I didn't, but I think that's probably the same in all organizations. Um, like I, I see now with the Facebook Australia team a few years ago, you know, there were clear ceilings that were in place. Um, so you kind of go, well, I've got to move on or I'm just going to be sat here in this position and I'm going to have to, to like it or lump it. Um, you know, and I think to a point, that's probably why I kind of want, I left and wanted a new challenge because the one thing I did not want, there's a saying at Facebook called rest and vest. And you see those people who are basically checked out. They've done their work and they think they can just sit there and coast along at 50 or 60% resting and just vesting all their shares. And to be honest, I'd always worked hard. And the one thing I wanted to do is always get out at a point and at a level where no one can say, oh, that guy, he stuck around for six months too long or a year too long, taking in his equities. You know, I, I think you've kind of, like he's, my, one of my old bosses said, my attitude is gratitude. And I'll always be grateful, grateful for the opportunities Facebook gave me, the learnings, the equities. Um, and so the, the last thing I wanted to do is kind of, uh, you know, abuse that by, you know, taking more than, than what, what I should. And, you know, I, I think recently Mark Zuckerberg made a comment about maybe getting rid of some of the lazy workforce. And, you know, it's a hard pill for some people to swallow. But from an outsider looking back in of an organization I used to be part of, of you know, for longer than 99.9% of the, the workforce, I can tell you now there's a hell of a lot of lazy people that were working there. Yeah, and, and again, this is something I experienced in the first part of my career is that thing of, of when you're in early, you, you know, you become an expert. You, you've got such a network embedded in all the organisations. As you say, you're doing a job that's much bigger than the job you, you, title that you're carrying because you, you're coaching people, helping people, fixing everything. And it does often count against you because people, as you say, they want to be in those signatures. but And they're also, they don't want to move you because you're so valuable in the role you're in. And, and one of the things I'd be coaching professionals in terms of career development is, you know, you have to demonstrate that the team will function without you and you're ready to be promoted. And that's kind of scary first time round because you think, oh, I need to be show that I'm indispensable. Yeah. No, you know, the reverse is, is very often true. But yeah, certainly then later in life as, as a CEO, you know, running businesses, it is that thing of you've got to look very critically at the people, you know, the people that got you here aren't necessarily going to get you there. And it's it's being grateful and, and rewarding them and, and and looking after them, but recognizing that they may not be what you need 
for the next phase of, of, of development of the business. And that, that's a, a hard call to make for, for senior managers, I think. No, absolutely. Uh, in the same as, um, like I said, I've had many conversations with people at Facebook who got let go. And again, the stark realization is, like I know a lot of people who stayed and probably who could have left, but like decided to stay on. And then they got made redundant. And it's kind of like, it's really a an eye-opener. I, I don't care what you say to most, if not all of these bigger organizations, you're just a number, you know? And so when I when I finally left and I spoke to my wife, you know, and I spoke to some, some friends there, I said, I don't want Facebook to be on the top 10 things I did in my life. You know, because I know for a fact, I won't be on the top 10 things that ever happened to Facebook. Um, you know, and there's so much more out there. And, you know, as much as, you know, you, you often, I often felt hamstrung at Facebook, whether it's around resources, even though, you know, it might might not appear that a company like Facebook could ever not have enough resource. But gosh, there was, it was often times, whether it's billing or ad ops. And then I went to a new company called LoopMe, who like a mobile data specialist. I was, I was really fascinated by their technology. But I was also blown away by when I sat down and I was talking the team through what I saw as just basics of account planning, account rigor. They were like, wow, this is amazing. And so all I would say is on that, like, never underestimate or like misunderstand what you've been taught in a business. And that's transferable and even more valuable in another business. Like I was taking things to the CEO of LootMe and I'm like, hey, I've done this account plan and we should look at this and the agencies do this and they do, I, I you know, I um, I organized and negotiated like seven contracts with agencies. They'd like to see these data integrations with different pipes. No, like, holy crap, where's all this from? I'm like, well, this is what we just used to do, you know? So it's for me, that was, I think it was the biggest eye opener that there's definitely life after Facebook um whether and the same as all these big companies it's like life after google life after microsoft and it's you know it's often more exciting because what you have learned is potentially much more valuable yeah yeah i i absolutely concur again i i stepped away you know after 18 years with one company that had gone through that I think seven million to four billion turnover, you know, been been that journey. Absolutely fantastic. All my colleagues thought I was absolutely crazy when I stepped away at 36. But you know, I just felt I've done 18 years. I'm I'm absolutely knackered, exhausted, got young kids, want a break. And, you know, I want to see something else in life and achieve other things. And and uh yeah, it's uh it's funny, you know, looking back on it, it looks like a big call, but at the time it just seemed the most natural thing in the world to do. Yeah, but, no. uh, I mean, yeah. we left. We left Singapore twenty remember, twenty twenty on uh, January the thirtieth. So basically, in the middle of COVID, and um, because I got made redundant in the job at Lootme because obviously COVID had completely obliterated the advertising market, and so all these smaller players at the time were just kind of having to cut back. You know, and I was one of the first in, and and, and too much of a a dent on their P and L. And so my wife and I said, well, stop it. Let's, let's, let's make the call. We always said we wanted to go back to Europe. We've had a good run. We've missed out on so much. You know, you've been doing your 60, 70, 80-hour weeks at Facebook, you know, and we always say we put the hard yards in and then we change it up. Um, so we moved back to Europe 
completely not knowing what we were going to do. <laughs> it's like there was no scripts. Like I'd already invested and opened an F45 studio in Singapore with a partner. So that was like a good intro into the F45 franchise space. And other than that, you know, we just said, well, let's just go back. And let's see, see what we want to do. And we know that the only thing we don't want to do is have someone else be the boss of us. And that was yeah. it. Really interesting to get into the next phase, but just before that, I just want to uh, break out and tell our listeners about the sponsor of the show, Magic Mind. It's the world for, world's first productivity drink that helps you do more and stress less. Most people get by on coffee and Coke and Red Bull, Monster Energy drinks, etc., but they're all packed with caffeine and a lot of sugar and other additives. Magic Mind is all natural ingredients, matcha, adaptogens, nootropics, and agave for a hint of natural sweetness. Each shot of Magic Mind contains a combination of 13 active ingredients designed to stimulate focus, creativity, energy, and motivation while de decreasing stress. And I, I've been trying it now for about, uh, well, I think started the middle of last year, and it, it's certainly helping me. What I've done is replaced my second and third coffee of the day with a shot of Magic Mind. And it gives me that continued focus and energy, but without the, the buzz of, of coffee and then the crash and the, the, the problem with sleep. And it was uh, it was invented by a guy from uh, California, James Bashara, who uh, was in Silicon Valley, big career, and, and ended up with uh, having some heart problems and went off and found that his problems were caused by drinking too much coffee. So he went off, did a bunch of research, and then funded another company, Magic Mind, to provide a solution to people. So I'd recommend uh, trying it out. If you want to read the story behind it, uh, it's a book called Beyond Coffee, which is available on Amazon, written by James Bashara. So if you want to try it, you can go to magicmind.co forward slash PTP and use the promo code PTP to get a great discount on the order. Let me know what you think. It's certainly working for me. Back to you, Mark. So, yeah, came back to Europe. You invest in the F45 franchise in when you were out in Singapore, yeah? Yeah, so I was a 50-50% owner of one of the franchises in Singapore. Great location, CBD bound, you know, we're doing excellent numbers. Really is a passive income on anything. Um, it kind of gave me... Definitely an idea of how their franchise model works, you know, and a, a clear understanding and involvement in what you needed to do for it to be a successful franchise. And so obviously we were moving back and we decided we went, oh, Swiss, Germany, Switzerland, Ibiza, let's go to Mallorca. And so I um, I spoke to uh, F45 in Ibiza. I said, oh, hey, who's, uh, is anybody running uh, the studio in Mallorca? And that's when they said, oh, they're not. But, you know, we are thinking about it. And this is part of a broader group uh, called Regiment Group, who are like a, a management consultancy who had basically built out a, a complete um, business model to open 75 studios across Europe. And so I was okay. And just started talking to them. But really more from, a, at the time, from an investment point of view, not even from a, a job, but really is how I could potentially give my expertise and, you know, some, some investments 
with a view to again potentially growing this and, and potentially getting a passive income further down the line. But I guess that was my first, not even job, but just something that was definitely going to keep me busy after I kind of left this whole corporate world behind. Mm. And so that that's gone on. Are you now actively involved in the business as an executive role as well as as well as an investor, no? Yeah, so I mean, even as an investor in any of the business, I, I like to advise whether it's doing their social media um, or if there's other expertise, like I'd already owned a studio. And you know, it just turns out we we've got a 45 Ibiza, we have Palma, we have one in Madrid, um, we've just chosen a site in Barcelona, we've just chosen a partner for us to go into Holland, and just because of different restructuring from a, a, a broader management point of view. I've actually been asked to move into the CEO role and work closely with the COO on kind of guiding us through to a, a 10 to 15 studio network in the next three to five years. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's that, it wasn't really planned. Um, when I, you know, and I, I had a call with them this evening and it's after the call, one of the guys is like, you know, everything you're bringing from an entrepreneurial spirit which ultimately a lot of what I was saying on the call was what I learned at Facebook, you know, coming back to the Facebook values, move fast, break things, um, you know, fail forward. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg famously, if he's 80% certain of doing something, he'll do it because even if he fails, he's, he'll have learned a lesson in the business that took him forward. So it's not just two steps back. And whilst I feel I might be kind of plagiarizing the Facebook values a little bit, you know, I, I can't help but take strength on, you know, one, how they guided me, but two, actually how they um, mirror my own values. I like to move fast. I like to break things. You know, I like to fail. And I want people to be in an environment where they feel it's comfortable to fail. Um, you know, and so when I kind of said this to the team, they were like, oh, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit garish. Um, but, you know, it was, it was very well received. And as well as doing the, Yes, the franchise piece, one of the kind of things they want me to focus on is all of these other wellness verticals that can then kind of tag onto the side, whether it's supplements, how to utilize data, clothing, um, CRM, you know, all these things are ultimately integral to, I guess, us living a, a more connected life. And I know many people kind of provide this promise and this premise of, oh, we'll connect all of your data. But you know, I don't think F45 use their data to its best ability. The same as I don't feel like healthcare providers link up with what you're doing in gyms, which links up to the calories you're burning. There's nothing really there. And so, you know, part of the role I've now been brought on to do is kind of oversee the broader, I guess, growth with the, the, the COO, who's a great guy, but also then look at what are all these tangents that we can be pulling into the business which can actually help us grow much quicker. Hmm. So what's your objective then for this next phase of your career? I mean, you, you, I, I'm sensing it's, it's you see opportunities go out and grab them. Are you, are you looking for an, another journey where you're leaving it or, or are you looking for stepping back and being investor? I'm, I'm intrigued. So, so am I. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a great question. It's, like I say, my objective is to not be working for somebody else. Um, my second objective is to have fun. You know, and again, it was it comes back to one of the uh, the Facebook values. 
Um, my third objective is to, you know, keep developing and keep learning. Like, I'll be very honest with you, and the listeners won't know this, but I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm a, you know, I mean, I'm a 120 kilos, you know, 25% body fat guy who loves cycling. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy that you want to be behind when you're going up a hill to get that draft. Um, you know, so I'm not this... I'm not someone. I, I did a triathlon in September, but that's that's also injured me. So it's you know this this thing now it's it's new for me, but it's that's I think that's kind of what's exciting because I'm you know I'm working with people whether it's in this F45 and this franchise piece or the drinks company I'm part of where the team is super young, um, like I'm learning from them, and it's you know I think. My objective is to is to work on things that give me joy, that have the potential to make money, um, but also that make me excited to be part of. You know, it's it, I go into the supermarkets here in Andorra and I see the drinks on the shelves um, that we've produced uh, across Spain and, and Portugal and Ibiza, and it's kind of like, wow, we're in supermarkets. That's really cool. Um, the same as I, you know, I'm working now with these F45s, and you go, you know, there's only one F45 in Ibiza, and everyone who knows F45 and knows Ibiza knows that that one is the best one that they've been to, and so it's kind of like I'm in a very fortunate position. Like I can choose the projects I work on, you know, and I kind of do hope that they they all become profitable, but in the same time, I feel like the 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 trade off in what they're giving me, in terms of keeping me busy, keeping me honest, keeping me learning. Basically, coming back to the values that we said at the beginning around what, what do I want? I always want to be learning. Um, you know, so that's kind of what I want. And I feel like the bit that I'm bringing to it is this whole partnerships and expansion. So if I can learn about the gyms and learn about how to run a wellness business, but then bring my expertise in partnerships that magnifies the value and importance of what we're doing across our partners, then... I'll hopefully feel like I've managed to find a good intersect of where my values and my, I guess, my offering has, you know, joined forces and, and I guess, built a synergy with the brands that I've decided to work with. Yeah. I, again, very much relate to that. As long as you're learning, growing, enjoying it, happy, engage with interesting people doing interesting things, and yeah, if, if there's an opportunity to build and create something, fantastic. But I think if those elements are there, that that certainly uh, certainly works for me. I mean, you've you've got an interesting. We just touched on a bit of your portfolio. There's there's another interesting one in there. That's one year no beer. Yeah. Which is this platform that, that's helping people manage their relationship with alcohol, which sits kind of ironically alongside Bendita Drinks, which is another <laughs> business you're involved in. Uh, so you've got the fitness bit, you've got an alcoholic drinks brand, and, and you've got this this platform. So it's a fairly uh, eclectic portfolio, shall we say. Yeah, and, and look, all of them I've entered into because I've had an interest in the product. Um, I think one year, no beer, I, I pr- probably had a, a too big a Christmas period, and my wife was very angry with me. So... I ended up buying the book 28 Day Alcohol Free Challenge. And it was um it was just a very refreshing approach. And so I contacted the guys and they they sent me the details through of their content platform. And the, the only reason I was well, one of the reasons I was really interested, because I was actually doing a, a coaching course at the time, and I was fascinated with how 
um, some coaching courses package up content. You know, because again, I, I like the idea of being an entrepreneur. I like the idea of passive income. I like the idea of building brands, but it has to scale. And so I wanted to see how they were building their content so that if I sign up today and you sign up in three weeks' time, the, your content trails are still exactly the same. Because it's what I get on day one or day 15 is exactly the same as what you get on day one and day 15. And the relationship just went from there. And I ended up being an investor and an advisor. And, you know, again, it's, it's one of those brands where you go into it. And this was a very low ticket, 29 euros, 49 euros. Through to how the brand has now developed, where we have an eight-week course, which is on sale for, I think, like $8,500, you know, a much higher ticket item. And if we can generate 20 sales a month, which we are doing, then, you know, we'll probably do over 300% uh, revenue growth just for this year. And it's, you know, it kind of goes back to the Facebook at the beginning. It's, um, you know, I don't like these businesses with a linear progression. I love the ones where every single day you wake up and it has the potential to go in a completely different, um, different uh, direction. And I feel like, there's a lot of brands out there that could do better if they had that mindset. Whereas instead they're stuck in this, no, we must do this. And yes, they keep going along that same trajectory they think they should and potentially missing out on these additional opportunities, which might just be staring them in the face. And I think if I look at the brands, all of the brands I've invested in and I work with as an advisor, I like the brands. They're young, they're fresh, they're energetic. They're open to ideas and they're ultimately constantly evolving to meet consumer demands, pop lifestyle, all of these different things. And so that kind of just makes it a very interesting uh, area to work in. Mm, fascinating. Well, I, I normally finish up with a, a, a couple of, uh, of quick fire questions. So sure. um, who or what inspires you in today's world? Um. Hustlers, definitely hustlers, like grafters. Like, I love a side hustle. Um, I'll never forget when I was working in Singapore, I went over to Thailand for a month, like for a long service leave. And the women in uh, Thailand, in Phuket, they are just on the hustle. They've got a job in a cafe, and then they've got a second job around the corner at a Sunday place. And then they're on the phone running an e-com shop. And I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm like, wow, how do you find the hours in the day? And it's just like the energy of these people um, and the, I guess the drive to continue to be more successful is just something I've never seen before. And which of your core strengths has helped you most in business? Um, some people wouldn't say it's a strength, but I'd almost say my ADHD because it just gives me this natural energy. Like it's, um, I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone. You know, it's like, I'll be the first one to work at 8 a.m. I'll be the last one to leave. And like, I, I look at today's culture and some people are like, oh, you don't, you, you can only, you can work nine to five and you can still get it done. I'm like, yeah, maybe you can. But, you know, I also think if you're there to put the hard yards in and you put the work in and put the effort in continuously, and you show up every single day wanting to perform, then people recognize that because they know how much something means to you. And so I, I definitely think my, my energy and my tenacity are probably uh, 
definitely helped to get me where I am. Yeah, brilliant. And last one, where are you at today in terms of happiness? Um, so I was thinking about it. I, I'm going to be very honest. That's why we say a five. Um, I, I, yes, I'm working on great brands, but, you know, and sometimes it's, people can be revolving around this whole lifestyle of Instagram where everything's a positive, you know, and it's um, life's to the grind. You know, I'm, I'm building a house in Mallorca and it's the first house I've ever built and I'm just, I'm praying it goes well. I'm, I've found a house in Andorra I'm trying to make work. I've just gone into a role of CEO in, in the business, which I'm, you know, the whole fake it till you make it. Um, and, you know, for me to, yes, like if people were to see my social media, my Instagram, go, oh, guys, on the slopes, he's snowboarding, blah, blah, blah. But I'm getting up at half five, six. I'm walking the dogs. I've got two. I, I sleep with my six month old boy. So I feed him. So I'm a little bit tired. I'm on emails from seven till maybe half eight before I take the kids to school. You know, you're doing calls in the evening. And so, you know, in terms of being my energy level, say a five, but in terms of, I guess, just overall gratitude for how it's going, I mean, I've got to say a 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm, I'm hoping the energy levels and, the, and the, the gratitude for how it's going kind of come a little bit closer together. Yeah, but, I was going to ask you, know, what, what, what would shift it from a five towards a 10? Um, the thing is, it's, you know, and... Like I, I think the phrase workaholic is overused because at the end of the day, if you think working four hours a day is hard and you're working five, you'll catch yourself as a workaholic. You know, I, I feel like I'm going through a transition period where I went from working for somebody else in big organizations to launching my own property rental firm, property reform and building company, um, a CEO of a wellness company, an advisor to other brands, and other things I'm trying to pull in, and they're all quite new. And so I think if I can build a nice house in Mallorca and sell it, I think I'll have at least proven to myself that I can at least do that as one of the jobs. Because I think right now, as you go through life and you've got five jobs on your resume that you're still unticked as to whether you can do them successfully, it's going to be quite stressful. So I'm hoping if I can tick off two boxes of, yep, you've proven you can do that, um, it, I might take a little bit of the pressure off my um, my own uh, levels of expectation. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, best of luck with that. Uh, just before we go, uh, if people wanted to to reach out and contact you, maybe get some advice or whatever, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Um, they can um, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. Or I'm also happy to obviously provide you with my email address um, if they want to come through to you, and I'm happy to share it on. Brilliant. This Mark, thanks very much for your time. Fascinating journey. Could have carried on all night <laughs> chatting and, and, and delving That's deeper right. into, into your world. It's uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, I look forward to um, seeing you out on the road sometime on a bike. And, uh, yeah, all the best with all your ventures, and, yeah, much love to the family. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed today's show and please you know, feel free to, uh, to share with your friends and like and most importantly subscribe so then you'll get notified for future episodes of Purpose to Performance. Got some great guests coming up in 2023 so I look forward to connecting with you soon.
Bye for now.